The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we move into a Tuesday, Gary, how are you? Just shaking my head. Yeah? We want to play this audio cut here. All right, all right, all right, all right. Just shaking my head. This is uh, the education secretary, Cardona, yesterday. Remember, the education secretary. Yeah. The person in charge. Not really, but (laughs) the person who liberals would like to be in yeah. charge of the entire education system. Thankfully, he is not. Right. But but he is, at the federal level, yeah. he is the top education guy. Yeah. The top education guy. You ready for this? All right. Here, here you go. Here we go. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's... There are resources there. There's technical assistance there, and there's a playbook that could support the work you're doing. Count on. No, this is at a governor's conference. That is not the quote. No, this is now. Understand. This is what you have to understand when you look back at history. All right. Yeah. And if you're uh, not trying to change history, but if. History is an important thing, right? We should yeah. know where we come sure. from. We should know yeah. the, you know, how this, you know, how this nation uh, was formed. We've talked about this many times. How the hell don't the majority of people uh, know the three branches of government when it's something that I learned or I knew? It might have been my father that explained it to me before schools even did, mm-hmm. but I knew what the three branches of government were, and therefore understood. You know, one of the most special things of the Constitution that made us different from any other country at that time. The Constitution that's been followed by so many nations around the world, but the majority of Americans, I have no idea what the three branches of the government are, which means you have no idea. You criticize the government. You have no idea how the government even runs. Right. But Cardona is the education secretary Mm -hmm. and said, I think it was President Reagan who said we're from the government and we're here to help. 
He did not say that. He said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And the education secretary, when you look back at the Reagan administration, that was probably one of the most well-known quotes in history about a two-term president. And if you didn't know it then, (laughs) if you're younger and didn't learn it back when we learned it, when we heard it from Reagan, it's been all over TikTok for a, a couple of years. That's been one of the Reagan. I told you I've seen a ton of these Reagan videos showing up. I think he repeated it on Carson. I think it was on Carson. He repeated that line. He said it multiple times over the years. Oh, yeah. But the 10-second clip went viral all over. The Reagan things are going viral all over again. Uh, And they're showing up in, you know, YouTube shorts, uh, Instagram, TikTok. It's everywhere. But you know what I love about it is the (laughs) number one, that he got it wrong. And number two, that he embraces the actual idea. Hey, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. It's so telling in, in, in two big ways. Number one, they're clueless about Reagan. Number two, they believe only big government can help you. Wow. You don't need a further demonstration. You really don't. Over and over again, they just lay it out there for you. Just listen to what they're saying. Oh, my gosh. Just listen to everything that this administration is putting out Do you know I'm 20 years older than he is? Yeah, okay. Because I, I wanted to look at I wanted to see what his age was. He was yeah. born in 75. Yeah, I was thinking he was younger. And and so than, I than we are, yeah. But to remember, education secretary. Right, right. Yeah. Had one of the most important quotes. One of the reasons that Reagan was a two-term president mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. that's a message that Americans wanted yes. to hear. Yes. It's like it's like somebody coming out and saying, um, yeah, I remember uh, that uh, uh, Obama guy when Obama was president and he came out and uh, talked about riot and pillaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> or or I remember. No, no. Let's actually quote it. I remember when Obama ran and he said there will be no hope and no change. I think it was Hunter Biden who said, here today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it's, Speaking about his cocaine. But he is the education secretary, and he has no idea what Reagan thought, and what he said Reagan believed was 180 degrees different from the truth. Well, that's, that's the whole thing, is that you know Reagan was anti-big government yes <laughs> don't you or do you the education is he that clueless right. that he doesn't know the education secretary reagan, yeah that ronald reagan was anti-big government wow 
They're all smoking weed. Well, we remember when Obama said, there's no hope. There's not going to be any change. That's right. I, I, or or to, to compare it, you know, to, you know, just. I think it was Obama who said. The most dangerous words, what is it, the nine most dangerous words are from I'm from the government and I'm here to help. As if Obama would say big government is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was Obama who said we should lower taxes and do away with regulations. <laughs> exactly. I think it was Obama that said only the private sector can handle health care <laughs> because that's where the profit motive is. I think it was Obama who said America's always been great, I didn't but let's I didn't, make I, it greater I didn't, I didn't again. understand your health care thing. The private sector? Oh, I thought you said the government can. Okay, no, no, I thought, yeah, yeah. Okay, private I thought sector. you said the yeah. government. That's yeah, okay. Private sector. That not yeah. makes sense. Okay, yeah. I think it was Obama who said, "Listen, the government can't help you. Only you can help you." <laughs> when Obama said, "Pick yourself up by your own bootstraps," I think it was Obama <laughs> who said. <laughs> An apple a day keeps the dust. Just, just start pulling things out of thin air. How could you not know the very foundation of Ronald Reagan's I've, beliefs? And, and you're the education secretary. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was uh, George Jefferson who said, "I cannot tell a lie." <laughs> that was a TV character. Um. I, I just, honestly, uh, I love the fact that every single day, this administration, it, you, you saw Corrine Jean-Pierre today, uh, now yesterday, uh, given the, the, the horrible poll numbers of the president, approval numbers of the president, anything going to change? Nope. No, we're not changing anything. My gosh, it's it is the clueless leading the clueless. Uh, I mean, just to just insane. Did, did did the education department put out a clarification? Not I. Not that I saw. They need to. First, they'll have to research Ronald Reagan. <laughs> oh my God! I, I think it was Ronald Reagan that said, uh, "Are you kidding me?" Seriously, okay. I do not know that. Okay, I'm looking here. Watch, I, mean, I just, I just put it in uh, Secretary Cardona in, uh, in Google. Edu- mm. And looking at the headlines, Education Secretary Cardona mis, misappropriates <laughs> famous, Mis- famous yeah. Reagan quote to tout the government. Yeah, misappropriate. New York Post education chief <laughs> mercilessly mocked for misstating Reagan's famous government line, government here to help line. Education secretary from the messenger mocked after butchering Reagan quote, we're from the government and we're here to help. Uh, let me see out of Seattle, Como mm-hmm. news, uh, Biden's education secretary misquotes uh, famous Ronald uh, utterance. And then it says terrifying. I don't know who said terrifying, but then, yeah. and so I don't see anything. I don't see when I put it in there, anything that said that he has corrected it. <laughs> just crazy. I, I just 
I, I, I'm sorry. That was just, that was, I mean, there were a bunch of things yesterday that made me go, what? All right, here we go. We're Thanksgiving over is over now. Yeah. The, the yeah. idiot, the idiocy continues. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and did you hear how quiet it was? Like he paused afterwards. I don't know if he realized it, but he paused. And that was at a governor's conference. I, and, I was waiting for the gasps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got that wrong. Ooh. Um, but <laughs> I didn't hear that. Yeah, there was that. And it was kind of an awkward pause. And the way that he said, uh, I think it was Ronald Reagan. He just didn't have that confidence. Uh, well, I remember when Biden said Hunter is guilty and should be in prison. Yes, I remember. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was Joe Biden who said, I'm Help. guilty. <laughs> Ask not what you can do for your brother. Ask what your brother can do for you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Yeah. Just, yeah, just pull and, him out of thin can, air. Can I repeat it one more time? Yeah. He's the education secretary. <laughs> You're sending your kids to the schools mm-hmm. that technically he's in charge of. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my gosh. What time is recess? Oh, oh my man. God. Yeah. Oh. No, it's insane. Oh, jeez. It's insane. I need to go to the student smoking room and have a cigarette. Oh, I'm sorry. That was my day and age. That was back when we had smoking halls. Do you remember when that was the the biggest one? It would be, you know, the student council. Yeah. And it would be one of the big every year. The issue was, why can't we students have a smoking lounge if the teachers do? Yeah. The teachers <laughs> had a teacher's lounge. By the way, you ever go in the teacher's lounge? That was a weird feeling walking into the teacher's lounge. I had a teacher say that I forget what I was going in there for. I don't know, use the microwave or something, sent me into the teacher's lounge. It was weird. It was just completely weird. And we, every school that I went to up to graduation, uh, I mean, well, high school, uh, had a smoking area for kids. Yeah, we didn't have students. We, yeah, we didn't have one, but it was on, that was uh, on the platform, I think, of now, of everyone every year. Now, what do they have today? Is it just edibles in the cafeteria? I guess they just, yeah, it, since nobody smokes yeah, cigarettes. Well, I mean, since right. cigarettes aren't a thing. It's, yeah, show them your medical card or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, get edibles. Just tell them you have an ingrown toenail. And uh, ours was outside. Our smoking hall was outside near the wood shop, by the way, which is the worst place to have a bunch of lighters all the time near wood shop well i think the problem where i grew up was that the age was 18 and nobody was 18 yet (laughs) to to buy cigarettes but it didn't mean you couldn't smoke cigarettes you can't buy cigarettes but is there a law that you can't smoke them right and that was where the kids were said there is what if what if my parents give it to me right i'm not buying it and but I, me- I remember that, and it was like anything to do with education or shorter classes or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. That didn't matter. It was for the smoking. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember ever voting for, the, for the student class council president, president and everything yeah. else. No, it's, yeah. I think they kept that away from me. They hid my ballots. <laughs> Stolen elections. It was, it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the steal. Let us smoke cigarettes. Stop the steal. We want more vending machines. <laughs> I didn't smoke, so I had to 
get something else. I was, <laughs> that's, that's right. They're all talking. Cause. They're all talking smoking. I'm like, I want candy. Right. <laughs> exactly. Give me vending machines. I want candy and Fritos and that's right. Red dye number three or whatever. <laughs> I come on. Well, coming up on uh, the uh, the show today, you've heard us talk about big oil. Mm. Uh, we exclusively on the show have talked about big wind. Yeah, we have. And now Elizabeth Warren worried about big sandwich. Yep. It's time to end big sandwich. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, you want to hear this one? We'll talk about this one. There's so much to talk about Biden blaming uh, businesses for inflation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was just a, a, a doozy. The gaslighting is just going to, I mean, they're just, there was an article, I think it was in American Greatness. I'll find it here where they just talk about, go, look, guys, the gaslighting isn't working. You can't tell the public what they feel. You can't tell the public that what they feel and experience every day is the opposite of reality. I, I think that may be it, quite possibly their their biggest blunder because they keep doing it every day. Yeah, I think that may be something that drives more people away from them. That may be driving some of his approval numbers more than a lot of things with people. When you just tell them something is, look, you you don't know how good it is. When you tell people that and they're trying to make ends meet, you know, you're you're tone deaf. And also uh, coming up a couple of weeks ago, we talked about in the 2026 uh, cars, unless it gets uh, repealed, they'll have that, you know, facial recognition awareness mm-hmm. uh you know technology mm-hmm. in cars mm-hmm. uh where if kill switch kill switch mm-hmm. right ex- exactly now the national transportation board is uh coming out for governors in cars or something to limit speed or control speed limits speed limiters we'll get to that coming up Eight six six ninety red eye This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hot Shot Secret, the country's number one fastest growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel's cetane number. In most states, the minimum a cetane number across the nation is between 42 and 45. And most modern engines are built and tuned to operate with the best cetane number closer to 50. If your truck has a low cetane rate of diesel, you'll often be able to tell. Cetane improves starting in the cold. Fuel does not burn as efficiently, which means more soot output, less power, and lower fuel economy. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up. To keep the engine operating at its best while helping with cold starts, fuel economy, and DPF regeneration cycles. At Hot Shot Secret EDT Plus Winter Defense, a 7-in-1 anti-gel fuel booster at every fill-up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting you from gelling. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hot Shot Secret's EDT Plus Winter Defense at HotShotSecret.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, 
I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the bottom of uh, the hour, the National Transportation Safety Board has recommended that all new vehicles come equipped with technology to make speeding difficult or impossible. All right. You know, what I've always wondered, you ever get in a uh, position that's happened to me, you know, you're you're going the, the speed limit right at that particular point. Yeah. And something happens where you really have to accelerate yeah. in order to get out of a situation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to put limiters on yeah. cars, that's going to be a problem. hours a night and still not enough listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website red radioshow.com and he is eric carley and i'm gary mcnamara good morning download our red eye radio app today and listen when and where you want if you cannot listen live overnight all right all right i just still can't get over it you know uh by the way, part of the criticism was, and I checked on Twitter, uh, Secretary Cardona, the Education Secretary, has not has not come out and stated I was wrong on the Reagan quote. I just checked okay. his Twitter feed. Right. Excuse me, X feed. Mm-hmm. If we're yeah. going to criticize the Education Secretary, if I'm going to criticize the Education Secretary, I should get the facts. Yes, correct. That it is X and not Twitter, right? X, formerly known as as Twitter, but um, one of the things that came up is it's like maybe he hasn't. I was just seeing some of the criticism. Maybe he hasn't corrected it uh, because <laughs> this is part of the rewriting of history that Ronald Reagan was for 
big government. Yeah. And I went, right. okay, you, that, that's, <laughs> that's a great that's point. That's going to be the quote in all the books. My thing is he can't say that he just made a mistake. He has to say, I got it all wrong. Because right. quoting Reagan wrong, he was talking to the governors about how the government is here to help you and use that as a quote. So he would have to come out and say, look, I completely screwed up on that one. Mm-hmm. Because you can't say I misquoted him. You know, that just misquote because you can't use Reagan to defend the argument that you were making. Right. Just amazing. I'm sorry. I just. just... <sighs> idiots. Sorry. Just idiots. Well, here it is. Uh, this uh, from NBC News. Should cars have built-in speed limits? The National Transportation Safety Board has recommended that all new vehicles, all automobiles, come equipped with technology to make speeding difficult or impossible. Wow. A move uh, that uh, comes uh, after an, an accident in Las Vegas killed nine people. It's a second such recommendation... From the NTSB in six years. But road safety advocates are not optimistic about the technology adoption, despite speed being a common factor in auto fatalities. I'm reading directly from the article, just so you know. Intelligent Speed Assistance Technology, or ISA, uses GPS and sign recognition to prevent vehicles from exceeding the speed limit in a given zone. It has been met by auto manufacturers with little enthusiasm. And remember, we already, if things don't change, the technology will be in all 2026 vehicles that will read your eyes, your face, whatever they're... I mean, they haven't said what they're going to do yet, but it's supposed to... The technology will be in there to stop distracted driving. Yeah, right. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing now would be to put in this technology, not just governors... When you and I were having the conversation, well, is this just a governor to keep you from speeding, or does this apply everywhere? This would apply everywhere if you've got, you know, for example, uh, even though my vehicle is six years old now, it has the technology where it reads the speed limit sign, so you mm-hmm. know what the speed limit is. Yeah. And so if you're in a 30-mile-an-hour zone, you wouldn't be able to go over 30 miles an hour. Right. And and my point would be there are many instances in order to get out of a situation where you've got a pound on that accelerator to get out. We've all been there, right? Yep. Yep. Would you, um, would, they, you would you not be uh, would it not allow you to do that? I guess it would not. Well, and and first of all, you know, um you and I going back many years, we we uh talked about how uh, this this type of uh, regulation in the trucking industry has been a huge issue. Um and I was wholly against it because the truck there was years ago, there was a truck crash causation study that found traveling too fast for conditions was the leading cause in accidents. And then I debated actually with a sponsor at the time who is no longer a sponsor on the air about the actual causes of these crashes. If you looked at it, and it was actually drug use combined illegal over the counter prescription 
And then you break down traveling too fast for conditions. And the reason I bring it up in this case is because NHTSA, again, is using a study. Which says, in part, it is traveling too fast for conditions. That can mean going 30 miles an hour on ice. That can mean going 60 miles an hour on a curve that is rated for 40 miles an hour. So what they're doing here is, and this is, you know, this gets back to Ray LaHood back in the day. Look, we know you don't want to be in these cumbersome vehicles. (laughs) Former Transportation (laughs) Secretary with Obama. And yes, we know he was a Republican, but he's still a liberal. When you say those words, we want to get you out of those cars, those cumbersome vehicles. We want you in public transportation. We want to, in fact, I think the word he used was coerce. coerce. Yeah, coerce. Yep. And so if you look at it, they're using bogus data to try and, you know, conjure up this this idea of, well, speeding is the number one factor. Now, speeding, technically, yes, traveling too fast for conditions. Let's break that data down into how many of those crashes were caused by someone going 45 on a curve that was rated for 20 miles an hour, whatever it might be. Because... If you're limiting a vehicle based on the zone, if you're limiting based on the speed limit in that zone, you're not going to cause or you're not going to prevent that type of crash. It's not going to happen because the speed limit, if you see those yellow signs that Mm -hmm. say 40 miles an hour, that tells you what what the curve, what the road at that point is rated for. That's what you should be traveling at. It is not a speed limit sign. And if they were to use this technology, it would be based on GPS. All, all of our GPSs now have, and you can see it when you're traveling. If you have your maps up, uh, your navigation up, you can see it. It will it will say, in the, and mine does in the bottom right corner, what the speed limit in that zone is. Now, the problem with that is it doesn't always account for temporary situations. Like a construction zone. I'm familiar with at least two that I go through on a regular basis that are not it's the and it could be the proprietary GPS in my vehicle I don't know but it still shows that it's 70 miles an hour and it's not it's 60 and at one point it it gets down to 55 in one of those zones and there's your imperfect world and the fact of the matter is they're likely not going to get to this because you're not going to have states agree to this Start telling people your car won't go faster than whatever the highest speed. Now in Texas, our highest speed is what, 80? (laughs) In that one zone Uh, down by Austin? Is that 80 or 85? 80, 80, 85? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, well, then we'd be limited to 85. But it actually would work. It wouldn't work that way. It wouldn't mean, well, you're limited. Like big rigs, um, the, the companies that own those trucks if they want to limit those at 58 or 68 or whatever then they can they can do that i i don't know that it's a good idea drivers tell me professional drivers tell me it's not a good idea but when the government gets involved that's very different and nitsa has a long history of doing very 
bad things when it comes to these types of rulemakings. But you're not going to have, nobody's going to tolerate that. Nobody. And if you start saying, well, we're going to put the, well, first of all, talk to the EV makers. Those same EVs have motors, in some cases, on each wheel. And they're very fast. I forget what the rating zero to 60 on the on the uh, Tesla Plaid. It's crazy. In fact, if you were to go to a drag strip, they would require you to put a parachute on that car because it's the rule of that drag strip. That's how fast those some of those EVs are. And they accelerate very quickly. Uh, from the NBC report, intelligence speed assistance technology differs from traditional speed limiting devices mm-hmm. in that there isn't a flat speed cap. The, exactly. limit, the limiting effect takes into account the speed limit of where the person is driving. Yep. The technology was one of the several recommendations the NTSB made to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, as well as all 50 states and the major domestic auto manufacturers. The NTSB said a final report regarding these recommendations will be published in the coming weeks. It's unclear when or if these recommendations will be implemented. Uh, but then again, it's the perfect time now that uh, that uh, uh, Congress, and this was really surprised a lot of uh, Republicans and others who didn't read the bill. Yeah. I believe that's in the infrastructure. Yeah. Was it the infrastructure? Uh, the Was it the infrastructure bill? No, it was the... Um uh, build Biden better or oh, okay. Bill whatever that, that so many of the members of Congress didn't even know it was in there, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, would have the distraction technology in. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do the distraction technology, I can see Congress wanting to throw everything into this or yeah, sure. or uh, giving the Transportation Department the authority to do whatever they need to do. Right. Because remember, everything else would be a rulemaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that uh, that technology, the distraction technology, would have to be in automobiles. Congress, well, at Congress, excuse me, Congress did pass that law, which then they would adopt there. Yeah, but right. they just said do it. They didn't tell them what the technology should be. So right, I can right, see the right. Transportation Department, they may just go look. The NTSB will look. We can do if we're doing this. We can do this because it's a wide berth yep. that Congress that Congress uh, uh, gave us. Yep. Uh, auto manufacturers uh, seem lukewarm to the idea. While vehicle technology can play a role, we've advocated for a continued emphasis on transportation policies that focus on driver uh, education, driver awareness. Said the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, which represents the vast majority of domestic uh, auto manufacturers. Uh, some activists don't think education and awareness go enough. No. David Zipper, uh, visiting fellow at Harvard University's Kennedy School, whose work focuses on transportation policy and society, and who recently wrote an op-ed in defense of intelligence speed assistance uh, technology, told NBC this, uh, the, the approach we've had for decades isn't working. Are we ever going to get to the point that you and I talked about before? Because you're still not you're still going to have 30,000 uh, deaths a year. We said, mm-hmm. well, you could stop it by having the speed limit at 20 miles an hour. Right. You want to save 30,000 lives, put the speed limit down to put 20 miles an hour. Put a cap on the ability of the car. Right. Like they do on right. big rigs, you know, and every, and 58, everybody, 68, wherever right. it is. Everybody will be driving golf carts. Exactly. 
Uh, and by the way, you're going to have split. Uh, uh, it would be just like split speed limits because you'd have older cars without the technology and newer cars that would be impeded by the technology on the same road. That's yeah. dangerous. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's a great point. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And then we we talk about the technology. You know, when we brought up the other day about the distracted driving technology mm. that Congress approved, a ton of members of Congress didn't even know it was in the bill right. for 2026. Uh, right. Republicans trying to move that date back, saying, well, what's the technology going to be? Right. Because they didn't put, again, this is where Congress passes a law and then basically tells uh, whoever administration is in there, just come up with whatever because we've approved it generally. Mm-hmm. And I talked about the fact when we had that real hard rain the other day or a couple of weeks ago, I was coming into work and my sensors, everything was going off. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Uh, because the rain was so hard, it was detecting that it was, you know, vehicles in both lanes next to me and there mm-hmm. was nobody near me and everything was going off. It. I'm telling you, talk about being distracted while driving. Right. When everything yeah. starts beeping in your vehicle right. and it's raining hard and you're looking all over the place, you're not focused on driving in the rain. Right. Yeah. And, and it's it, it the technology is imperfect and it likely will be for our lifetime. Perfecting that kind of technology. Ask Tesla earlier this year, recalling 362,000 vehicles on the auto driving uh, technology. There's going to be flaws in it, and people don't accept that kind of technology being on the road when it's flawed. That's what's dangerous. And then trying to create a rule that relies on that technology? No. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. We, over there, Eric Harley. We over here, me, we, me, Gary McNamara. 
good morning. Uh, was talking about the National Transportation Safety Board has recommended that all new automobiles come equipped with technology meant to make speeding difficult or impossible. Now, this would not be limiters. This would be using GPS and the yeah. cameras to read the speed limit signs. Right. And uh, so you would, if you were in a place where it was 30 miles an hour, it wouldn't let you go over 30 miles an hour. Interesting, I, it, uh, they, didn't, they didn't stick around, but we had one caller who wanted to to say, well, what we really need is something to keep people from tailgating. That technology already exists. I have it in my vehicle. Yeah. Radar mm-hmm. cruise control. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in all new vehicles. No. Okay. Not in my truck. But it is But it is uh, available. And, and the technology has been there. My vehicle is six years old. So um, if you want it, I'm assuming in most vehicles, you can, uh, yeah. you can, can get it. But it doesn't always work right. Well, that's it. I've, you know, again, we're looking at imperfect technology and why it's and, and this is why it's so important to point out how this is different than, you know, the the governors that you see, um, you know, on on big rigs, which are set at a certain capped speed, whatever that might might be. Um, it This would be whatever that zone is. Well, again, the technology of communicating what's going on in that zone right at mm-hmm. that moment isn't going to be there. Um, it's, it isn't going to be consistent. You've got an imperfect tech technology and an imperfect, <laughs> that's driver, putting it mildly big government oh, that okay. is creating <laughs> a rule that would rely on imperfect technology. Uh, I know that when, uh, you're talking about my radar cruise control. Now I've got, uh, what is it called? Adaptive, mm-hmm. uh, technology where ev- I see everything in my windshield. Yeah. In my new car, in my old car, which is 20 and a half years old, mm. <laughs> I still have a cassette deck that doesn't work and ah. a CD player. <laughs> That's you have a turntable anywhere in there. <laughs> no, those are modern now. <laughs> uh, but when, uh, let's say a car is. Let's say I'm in the right-hand lane, and a car is heading off onto the off-ramp. It always happens to me where they are not in a position at all. I don't know what it is, but I get this huge. The car, you know, it it will break, mm. but it it um, I haven't gotten to that point where that's happened, where the big brake sign comes up. It lights up your entire windshield, and it's like brake, 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 brake. The thing flashes at you. Well, there's no reason for me to brake. That car is on the off-ramp. I'm not going on the off-ramp. Right. But what it sensed was that car decelerating. It could still see the car decelerating onto the ramp, and it thinks I'm going on the ramp, and I'm not. Right. Now, the yeah. one thing, good thing is it hasn't kicked off and hit the brakes yet. Yeah. Because yeah. it that, to me, shows it's not because when, when you're in cruise control, once you get and you can set the distance that you want, and I have it set back the furthest because I think that's the uh, safest for uh, for me. Mm. But I'll tell you this: you're coming up, and all of a sudden things start slowing down. You're like, oh, "Okay, let me go around this guy." But that gets I, I now anticipate when it's going to hit. Yeah, I know. Right. I now anticipate when the radar speed control is going to hit. Anybody who's had it for a few years, it's like, "No, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to I'm going to you know put on my left hand turn signal and and, and pass this." Past this joker. But, yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed. And you're just like, hmm. And at times, 
you know, the whole thing, the the lane indicator where you're going out of your lane, that yeah. thing just kicks off. The steering yeah. wheel will start vibrating, you know, in a particular direction. It's like, there's no lines. Yeah, <laughs> right. So you know the technology isn't perfect, and we all know the technology isn't perfect. And the thing is, once you get to the point of can the driver override it, and I guess we can look at the 737 MAX mm. when the pilots couldn't override it, which blew us away that they would ever put that kind of technology in an airplane where the pilot could not override you know, what the plane was doing. Right. And that, to me, was the most incredible thing that we would let her. So we've already done that. We've done that in air. The government, you know, the, we've already done that. I won't say the government, but we've already done that in airplanes. Yeah, right. And use technology that didn't work. And and so, and you couldn't override it. And that's a key. If the technology fails, the ability to override it is critical and the pilots didn't have that. Right. And so you look at it, you think, do you think Congress or the, the or the regulators are actually thinking about the fact that the technology isn't perfect, or do they just want to control your driving? Hmm. Well, that's it. They I, I think they wanted they want to create fewer uh, they want to take away that that idea of freedom, being able to move about the way you want to move about. And it isn't that everybody wants to get in their car and drive 90 miles an hour. It's that I don't want imperfect technology put in place as a matter of rule or law by an imperfect government because it creates a dangerous situation, something I mentioned earlier. And that is the idea of split speed limits. They're dangerous. You have, you know, certain vehicles have to travel at a lower speed and other vehicles can go a higher speed. And those were put in place for uh, big trucks uh, in certain zones for a long time. And then to a large extent, they were, they were uh, uh, taken out of effect because they realized people realized how dangerous that was. That was creating more accidents. And so now you would have the same effect because you would have, Newer vehicles that would be impeded by that technology, older vehicles that would not. Here's a here's a question: What freaks you out more? Uh, if you're going the speed limit, somebody going 15 miles an hour over the speed limit who passes you, or somebody going 15 miles an hour below the speed limit when visibility isn't really as great as it should be, right. or it's night and you come upon them so fast. That's the that's the biggest concern that I have because I what I don't know about that vehicle if it's going much slower, uh, then I don't know if there's if there's something wrong with the driver, something wrong with the vehicle, or both. Why it's going so slow? Often it's somebody driving on a flat tire or something like that. But it becomes a dangerous situation because then you've got traffic behind you. You've got to worry about that traffic coming up on you pretty quickly because you're directly behind that vehicle that's moving much slower than traffic. You're going to create a situation where you have certain cars that are capable of going certain speeds and others that are not. That in in and of itself is going to be far too dangerous. 
Uh, a story last week when I was in uh, New York is they have set automated speed tickets on I-87 and I-84 work zones. They did mm. it last week. Mm. And it's radar. Yeah. And they tell you work zone, speed limit, photo enforced. But they're back to do If they're doing that, it means eventually they're going to go back, you know, to the. And, and remember in Texas where they started doing it for, you know, the, the stop sign. Yeah, you know, not the, yeah. they. They never got to the speed limits here. Right. I know they did it when I was living in Portland. They did it. This goes back to ninety eight, ninety nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still have them in in Portland, but they had this the the speed limit, but the red light cameras that were in. And did Texas pass legislation because now they're all gone? Yeah, you can't. They're yeah. They're uh, you can't have them now. No city can have them. Um, is it in? In New York, is that state enforcement that's doing that? Yes, with the, the radar? state. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm. and they said it was uh, again. It was very quietly and not talked about. Put in a, a spending bill last year, apparently. Right. Yeah, mm. and it didn't get you know. But if you now, I don't know if the legislation just said work zone or they're starting to do it in work zones. Right. Right. Now, and, and again, it's a civil fine. Right. You don't. You know, it's not a criminal offense. Like if the uh, the police pull you over. Right. Yeah. Now we have the, uh, you know, you have to slow down or, or move over. We have that. And that recently, the, uh, that recently changed to essentially um, ramp up what they were doing in that effect and also include uh, construction zones and everything else. If it's a, before, I think it was limited only to emergency response vehicles, first responders, which could be a police officer, could be a fire truck or something else. And if they were in, uh, if they were to say to the right on the or in a certain yeah. lane, you had to create a lane basically between them. If you right. couldn't slow down to 20 miles below the speed, speed limit. limit. Right. And so they've kind of ramped that up to include uh, also uh uh, construction zones and everything else, and and pretty much, you know, anyone that's working on the side of the highway, uh, that kind of thing. But I don't have a problem with that. I I want to slow down because you don't know what's going to happen in a situation like that. You don't know if someone's going to oh know, yeah run out I've, in front of you. I've, or, I I think you learn as you drive longer. I want to stay, and sometimes it's not possible if you're driving during the day. Yeah, but at night it is. Yeah. I want to stay away from other cars. Yeah. What I yeah. hate yeah. is, doesn't it drive you crazy when somebody is is pull, you you may be in the center lane, yeah, and and somebody pulls up either on the left or right, and they sit right in your blind spot. Right now, don't you know if you're in somebody? I know if I'm in somebody's blind spot. Yeah, and I, I don't feel comfortable there. Right, and that that ticks me off more than anything. It's like they just want it, to hang out in your blind spot, and and it's yeah. like I'm just gonna. You know, if there's nobody behind me. I'm just going to slow down and let them pass. That's what I do uh, because I was like, I'm not going to uh, deal with it. And uh, but it's just it drives me crazy when people do that. It's like who does that? Who start? And, yeah. and the fact is, they're coming up on you, and then they slow up as they get closer to you and sit right in your blind spot. And after about ten, well, after five seconds, I realize they're not going to pass me, and I'm thinking to myself, "What the hell are you doing? Get right. out of my blind spot!" Right. Now my blind spot detector picks it up, but I hate looking at that thing in my windshield. <laughs> well, it's you know knowing that that car uh, is there and you know and is not moving—that's frustrating. But um, 
you know, you look at technology like this and there's going to be the, all this stuff that we have on our cars comes from the fully autonomous technology in cars and trucks. And they, they basically, the OEMs cherry pick, okay, this could be a safety feature. That could be a safety feature. Uh, we want to implement this and implement that. So it is a, many of us, if you've got a newer vehicle, you have a semi-autonomous vehicle based on that, ty- that type of technology that comes from fully autonomous cars and trucks. Yeah. And it's far from perfect. They've opened up a stretch of uh, fully autonomous lanes for big rigs in Texas. I think it's 20, 30 miles long. It's only for those trucks, dedicated lane, and that's part of the state stuff that's going on right now in Texas and other states for fully autonomous trucks. But they have operators in those trucks. Most often, in fact, right now, they have two. They have a a driver who's a professional driver, and they also have an operator in that truck. So there's two humans in that truck, uh, most often if they're on the highway right now. And there likely will always be, because it's likely the NIMBY effect is going to be, uh-uh, I don't want to share the road with that technology, because I don't trust that technology. And Tesla is one of those examples of the, you know, the failures or concerns of failures of that fully autonomous uh, technology. We don't fully trust it. And we shouldn't. Because no. it's imperfect. Yeah. Someone asking the question, no, this isn't going to apply to emergency vehicles. Cops no. aren't going to have a... No, 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 no. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that won't happen. So. Right. No, that won't happen. Um, it's likely you're not going to get this kind of technology implemented because of the, the, the concerns. Uh, if you give an administration that kind of wide berth, though, it creates, well, I don't, they could go through a rulemaking process, but that rulemaking process will come with a lot of lawsuits. Well, I, think, I think there's going to be a lot of blowback when people find out about what's coming up on the 2026 oh, yeah. vehicles. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I told that <laughs> to a car salesman I know. I said, you want to sell cars quicker? Tell them the technology that the government's coming up with. Mm-hmm. You need to buy a car in the next couple of years. Otherwise, you're going to have cameras pointed at your face in your car to see whether you're a distracted driver or Or whether, you know, distracted driver or drunk or high or whatever. It's going to be able to figure that out. And we know there's going to be flaws in that one. Right. Yep. And there's a ton of questions there, too. And the American, I guarantee the American public, you and I brought it up on the show a couple of weeks ago. I guarantee the American public doesn't know that. No. Because no. the members of Congress two weeks ago, the Republicans said, well, many of us didn't know it was in there because, of course, we didn't read the bill. Right. Because we didn't have time to read the bill. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. eight six six ninety red eye Brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. Uncompensated detention at docks frustrates drivers of all stripes. If you're an owner-operator, you have at least some control over the matter. Make the subject a standard part of your rate and or contract negotiations on the front end. You can use your own numbers to calculate an hourly rate to compensate for lost income opportunity, as well as fixed costs, which don't stop when the truck stops. 
Those two elements of a fair detention rate were deemed appropriate by most of Overdrive's audience almost a decade ago. We've used income, fixed costs, and miles average of our owner-operator business services from ATBS's clients to compute an average $64 an hour detention rate then. And 10 years later, the figure is $83 an hour. Use your own numbers to calculate your rate. A simple conversation with any broker or shipper or your carrier, if you're leased, about what you're putting in the rate might yield results you don't expect. Odor Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business Program. Go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more details on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Joe Biden speaking yesterday. And wages for working families have gone up while inflation has right. come down 65%. Okay, I want to play it again where he, uh, just because we had a clip in there. Here we go again. And wages for working families have gone up while inflation has come down 65%. That's a lie. <laughs> That's just an absolute Lie from why, the why didn't he just go full on 150 percent? I know it's an absolute if gonna, lie. If you're going to make it up, just go full right. on. The inflation rate has come down. Inflation has not come down. No, uh, it's in uh, prices in general, 17.6 percent since Biden took office. Real wages have declined by three percent. Those are the his government's figures, mm-hmm. not ours. Right. Well, and here's. The thing is that, you know, a new administration coming in and trying to correct what the old administration did, you can just tell the truth. You can just come out and say, listen, we're working on this. You know, we inherited this blah, 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 blah. Remember, um, Obama did that with Bush for seven and a half years. <laughs> Everything was Bush's fault. Yeah. And so now you've got it, though, where the Democrats own this. Biden owns this and he's trying to tell you that he's fixing it when he's not. They couldn't be more out of touch. And and now they're cherry picking certain things. Exactly. Because Turkey still was high, but was lower than last year. Right. Airline prices came down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But overall, the things that you buy that you need are all going up. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, I mean, the administration was out in full force yesterday, cherry-picking things that, you know, that have gone down. Look, the administration's lying to you. We're not. When the numbers come out, we give you the numbers. And we tell you what has come down, and we tell you what has gone up. Mm-hmm. And the problem is here, and there's no gaslighting here. There's no 
uh, attempt to cherry pick what we have always stated is these are the things that people need. Now, you may disagree with us, but when we say transportation, which would be vehicles, when you say housing, the cost of housing, and when you say most food that you buy each and every day, not that there aren't some things. For example, eggs came down. Now, eggs came down because eggs skyrocketed way over what other uh, uh, food stuffs uh, were were going up because of the bird flu. Mm-hmm. That at the time when you know everything was going on with inflation, yes, it was being infected by inflation, but bird flu don't have it this year. Therefore, there's more of a supply of eggs. Therefore, the price comes down. We're not afraid to tell you the truth. The administration is. Because mm-hmm. core inflation is still a problem, and the things that you actually need in your life, housing, food, in blue states, uh, electricity, and you know, energy. Now, gasoline, yes, that goes up and it comes down. One of the reasons that gasoline, because they were trying to make a thing, you know, gasoline prices, and then they were hit. Well, wait a minute, gasoline prices were still lower when by you know when Biden took office, but. The excuse me, uh, they were yeah, they were lower when Biden uh, took office, and they're still higher from that particular point. But the real reason that gasoline is coming down is because we're back to almost producing record levels again in the United States on state and federal land. And as I told you before, when I played the audio cut uh, on uh, uh, about the both Biden and Green Jean Pierre. Gas, but gasoline's down from its peak. It's down from its peak because of the policies of this administration. Oh, so the president is wanting more drilling? Right. He's pro-drilling? Yeah, the president's pro-drilling, and mm. he wants more use of fossil fuels. He wants to increase the supply, which then will lower the price. Is that the Democrats' uh, new mindset on energy? I would welcome that if that was really true, but we know... Just like Obama, we have memories here in the show, and we don't live in the bubble of today. And we remember when Obama did everything possible. They can't stop drilling on state land. They can't stop it on private land. And that's been a problem, but they've done everything they possibly can to stop it on federal lands or offshore. Mm -hmm. And they admit it. And then when Trump got into office... And production was really ramping up in West Texas and other places. And Trump came in and said, look at gas prices. And Obama came out. Yes, but the production of oil and natural gas was going up during my administration. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you're the cause of the climate change problem, huh? And that's the problem when the belief that you have is not held and your political mindset is not held by the majority of the of the public. You want to have it both ways. You want to say we need to get rid of fossil fuels as you celebrate near election time (laughs) the fact that they may be coming down or you're jealous that the next candidate comes in and proudly says the next president comes in and proudly says gasoline prices are coming down during my administration. And you just have to laugh because it shows what you really think, what you really want to do. You cannot tell the American public. I think it was. Uh, President Barack Obama, who said, drill, baby, drill. (laughs) (laughs) 
Education Secretary Cardona <laughs> said that yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you, had, you had said earlier uh, uh, production back up to uh, record levels on state and federal. I think you meant state and private plans. Yes, state yeah. and private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the point is, is that we could be doing more on federal lands, but this administration more and more trying to close that down. And they have been from the beginning, uh, just like his former boss trying to shut it down at every turn. Um, we went through the entire thing with the BP spill. Look, if BP was going to be out of the game because they broke the rule, because they didn't play by the rules, because they caused a catastrophe, that's one thing. But the permatorium that went on in the Gulf for way, way, way too long meant that jobs there in those Gulf states were going away, not just in oil drilling, but also in those supportive roles of you know, restaurants and, and, and the service industry that has to be there for other industries to thrive. And we saw that go on for way, way, way too long. But they took advantage of something because the BP spill wasn't a small thing. And so let's basically shut down everybody, including those actors who had nothing to do with the spill and weren't doing anything wrong at that time. These are the things that that over and over again they've they've done. And now they don't even worry about that. I mean, look, they um, they love to take advantage of any kind of situation to create more laws and rules, but they don't need them. They don't need a situation to do that. They don't need um, a man-made catastrophe or a natural disaster to come in and create more laws and rules. They they'll just do it um, on their own. Well, I would ask any Democrat this question when Biden and Green Jean-Pierre out there talking about gas prices down from their peak. Do you believe that Biden and the Democrats want super low gasoline prices that would benefit the American people? Do Democrats really believe that in a time when electric vehicles are crashing? Was it when we were on vacation or was it right before we went on? Not vacation, but uh, uh, Thanksgiving holiday Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, it came out that Ford is cutting back even more. Yeah. On EVs. on on EVs, right? They're panicking right now because yeah. they want to have it both. They want to have it both ways, and you can't get you can't have it both ways. Right? We know. And look, we played the audio cut from Obama yesterday on electricity and energy prices, where he said they they've got it. You know, necess- they necessarily will skyrocket. That mm-hmm. was Obama's goal back in two thousand eight. We know that's what the Democrats want. Democrats want because does any Democrat listening right now? Do you actually believe that? Biden or Obama ever wanted low fossil fuel prices? No, no. We know because Obama explained it on electricity what he wanted. Right. Because the other forms of energy, the the forms that are inconsistent and electric vehicles, they can't sell electric vehicles. Well, they're having problems selling them anyway, even if gasoline prices are higher. Mm. But they're having a much tougher sell when gasoline prices start going down. So everyone knows that the president is gaslighting here. Yeah. Everyone knows sure. the president, even every Democrat listening right now knows the president wants high gasoline prices. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want the repercussions that come with it. Right. But he wants high gasoline prices because the EV industry, as we see, is collapsing. Mm-hmm. 
They've reached yeah. their limit. Right. People don't want to buy it, even with the incredible subsidies that was in the last Democrat bill that was passed mm-hmm. that continued. People don't want them. Gasoline prices go down. They don't want them even more. Right. And that's a huge problem. This was uh, uh, David Catron in uh, uh, the website American Greatness. Bidenomics, the high price of gasoline. Lying to voters about the economy is a losing strategy for Biden. Hmm. Anyone still wondering why voters trust former President Trump more than President Biden on the economy should read what the White House posted on X about inflation last week. Quote, ahead of the holiday season, costs are down for everything from airplane tickets and car rentals to toys and TVs. Uh, uh, Biden and his underlings continue to believe public disapproval of his disastrous uh, economic uh, performance can be improved with happy talk and cherry-pick statistics. It assumes Americans can't remember how much less the cost of living was when Biden was elected. This is an insult to the intelligence of the voters and a losing strategy, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out on the same day the above-quoted post appeared, just driving to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving provided a reality check. The regular unleaded gasoline they buy to fuel up on their way will be an average of 70% more expensive than it was three years ago. And the food, Turkey cost about 30% more uh, than it did uh, the month that Biden was elected. Rolls, butter, cranberry sauce, and desserts are all up 27, 25, 23, and 30% respectively. Few voters will find much to celebrate here, yet the recent Consumer Price Index uh, report was released, and Joe Biden took a victory lap, as we talked about. Mm. Uh, The interpretation of the CPI report is profoundly dishonest. The 3.2 inflation uh, rate is nearly three times the 1.2% rate that Biden inherited. It is down 65% only because the Biden administration let it skyrocket to 9.1% before attempting to get it under control. That gas is below 340 on average across America hardly compares well to the national average of $2.11 that prevailed when Biden was elected. Now, let's be fair here. It was $2.11 because nobody was driving because of COVID. Mm, right. So, must yeah. understand, you're not right. talking about normal times. So, if you're going to be intellectually honest, you've got to bring that note there, too. But the fact is, the Democrats want high gasoline prices so they can sell EVs. Right. Just like they want high electricity prices so you are forced to buy solar and wind. As to wages, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that the average hourly earnings adjusted for inflation uh, stood at $11.05 in October, down from $11.10 in March of 2020. When the lockdown lunacy uh, began, there are just too many discrepancies between the president's claims and the voters' experience with real-world economy. According to the Real Clear Politics Average, only 38.1% approve of his economic stewardship. Even worse, according to the New York Times Siena poll, swing state voters trust Trump over Biden on the economy by wide margins. Any president running for re-election must convince voters they're better off four years er- four, they're better off now than four years earlier. Biden is not making uh, that uh, that sale. So that brings us back to insulting the intelligence of the voters. <laughs> hmm. 
uh, you know, and, you know, that's, again, that's what they're doing each and every day. And the public isn't buying it. And they did it again yesterday, well, over and over and over and over again. They're lying to the public. And if you're as, on the left, why don't you, why aren't you outraged? Why aren't you calling for them to be more proactive in raising gas prices? Look, it's for the planet, right? We're saving the planet here. Yeah. Trying to have it both ways. Well, you can only do that if you're lying. Nobody buys it. And if you're an activist on the left, you should be outraged. How dare you promote that you're lowering gas prices? Yeah. And they're not. No, they're not. Then you have to ask, what is the purpose? Even these environmental activists, if they don't, uh, hey, she's wrong. Yeah. But at least Greta is consistent. Right. You know what she wants. Right. She's at least consistent. Right. But here in the United States, it's like, well, okay, this is really all symbolism. And yeah. it's really not doing anything, but right. we need this this is the narrative that we carry. Right. We are liberals. Right. Uh this is virtue signaling. Right. But the real world we know doesn't work that way. And so let the president lie. We won't call him on it. And if gas prices and he promotes gas prices going down, just leave it alone. Right. They really don't. They're not they do not believe you you get the you they give you the impression they passionately care about their cause. They don't. They don't. No. They only care about a political win. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, we were just talking about big oil. Yeah. Eric and I have talked about big wind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren takes on big sandwich. All right. We'll have that coming up. Big sandwich. Yeah. It's crazy. This is uh, really her going after Subway, right? Yeah, because there's an investor group that's coming in and it's going to, you know, increase the number of Subway sandwich shops across the country. That doesn't guarantee success. Well, what do they have a monopoly on? Longer buns? I think that's the problem. Because everybody has a sandwich. Who doesn't have a sandwich? The foot long has been too long for too long. (laughs) Now we must change things. That's what senators are doing now. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. 
From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome to a Tuesday. Woohoo! You know, we're still not to December yet. <laughs> it, just feels That's, like- it is weird. We had an early Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's weird that we're still not to December yet. I know. I, I, it just, to me feels like, cause everyone now has their Christmas lights up and everything else. You know what, you know what threw me off too? And I didn't realize this. I don't normally cook a ham at Thanksgiving. That's Christmas. Yeah. And I did this year. I was at the store. I don't know few days before Thanksgiving, and I just grabbed one, and I made it. Now, my, my kids, my grandkids, they all love ham. And I made turkey, too, but having this, the, the ham in my mind <laughs> feels like Christmas, that I'm eating now Christmas leftovers and not Thanksgiving leftovers. And it kind of changed the, you know, the it was like, oh, that catapulted me into the holiday season for that weird reason. And now I have uh, what three other houses with lights up, and they're slowly coming around. I think most everyone in my neighborhood is having someone put their lights up. You know, they're paying somebody to do it. And so they're slowly coming up. There was one house on my way in that's not far from mine that had it up and man they've got the whole yard done and everything else so i don't know if they paid somebody or if they did it but it looks great i have i'm going to be the ultimate and lazy this uh, year you know uh, occasionally you know i'll i'll go out and actually drive and look at the christmas lights mm-hmm. but now on uh, on pluto the streaming service you know mm-hmm. the free st- uh, streaming service yeah, uh, they have a channel which is Christmas lights. Yeah, in 4K, so right. with music All behind right. it. Yeah, so they actually do the traveling. For, I don't have to do anything anymore with my TV and my my Sona system, my no, Sona right. sound system. Yeah. I, yeah. I every, everything now is in. I never have to leave the recliner anymore. Right. If we could just get the pizza guy to bring the yeah. pizza to the recliner and get a microphone there right in front that's, of me, I will yeah. never have to that's, get off the recliner. That's the Oh. And a bedpan. It, it, that would be the... <laughs> got to complete the oh, whole no. equation. I think I will go up to go to the refrigerator and the and the toilet. Okay, Okay. Fine. I think I... And, fine. And, and, well, actually, my recliner goes all... If you want to be all... one of those A-type personalities, <laughs> go ahead. My, my recliner goes all the way back, so I don't have to go to... I don't have to go to into the bedroom to go to sleep. Yeah. It reclines all the way... Uh, but yeah. speaking about things that you do on the recliner, uh-huh. I just got to bring this up because um, I always get tons of emails all the time. People know I'm from Buffalo, and uh, I guess there was an exciting game the other day. Uh. The, the the Bills and, and Philadelphia, uh, I was talking to a couple of people and that were watching the game. I have not – I watched one game this year. Yeah. Uh, right. and, and that was when they beat Miami. I've not seen – because everything else – Interferes with my sleep for work, right? And people and the the powers that be thought they were going to be good, so they put them in all afternoon games and mm. night games, so I don't get to see any of them, right? And and so uh, I really don't have much comment on it because I don't like to comment on a game I haven't seen. But 
Uh, I will say this. Uh, 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 apparently, uh, the Bills are the most exciting losing team in probably NFL history, at least oh. since the merger. Oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, and that, I mean, we got, I mean, like the Browns. The Browns have been, I mean, they're they're doing okay this year. I mean, they lost their quarterback, so now there's the fear that they may lose a bunch in a row. But, uh, right. you know, the Browns were always basically, they were boring losers. Yeah. You know, there's so many boring losers. The Panthers this year, boring losers. Mm. If you look over the last couple of years, you know, the Bills can't win an overtime game. Right. I mean, yeah. They they can't win. So, I mean, so they're exciting losers. Uh, I'm be in trouble for that one from some of my <laughs> Buffalo listeners. But I was doing that yesterday with a couple of people on on social media, and then I had to say, guys, I haven't seen the, I didn't see the game, I didn't see any of it. But mm. there were major complaints, and it wasn't just from Bills fans that the officiating was horrible. Oh, okay, it was absolutely right. horrible. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the stills and and all mm. that, but it's not whether they were penalties or not. It was what comes after that, mm. and I mean, it's just all these. NFL fans saying, if you ever want to know that the NFL is fixed, that game shows you that the NFL is fixed and Vegas controls it. And they only want some teams to win the playoffs, the big market teams. Well, my response to that, I wanted Mm. to respond to that portion of it. Okay. Then stop watching the damn NFL. If you believe it's rigged, why are you watching it? Right. Did I... That I yell. It's like, always the. Isn't it though? Always the diehard that that are saying it's rigged, and they don't move away from it. You would. Think, well, yes, yes, yeah, To your point, right, you right, would think, right? They don't. Well, I'm. Now nah, it's all rigged. I'm not watching anymore. By the way, I yelled so I could be like Stephen A. Smith and the way that he. Oh, the way oh, that he yells. Good. Yeah, I think it was an SNL that did a bit mm. on you know how sports debates go and yeah i mean it was just it was completely it was just it was like the most ridiculous they took some other argument you know out of, outside right. of sports right and they're screaming at each other and they're talking about nothing important right but they're screaming as if there's the passion of the world yeah like the world everything did, centers around that yeah, yeah exactly and so i want i wanted to put that mm-hmm. i wanted to have that kind of emphasis uh it was just uh just an observation they're like well you guys are saying it's rigged, but you watch every week. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Why are you watching something that's rigged? Did, were you a wrestling fan? <laughs> because they've admitted <laughs> that it's rigged. The uh, uh the this, the Cowboys record popped up in the in in my feed. I I'm I'm not watching any games, but I saw 8 and 3 and you, my first thought, ah, oh, still room to be 8 and 8 for the season. <laughs> <laughs> 8 and 9. Oh, eight and nine. They yes. play seventeen games. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they could be eight and nine. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> My long running joke for the Cowboys. But um, yeah, I don't you know, it's it's just there's so much to me, there's so much entertainment <laughs> coming out of things that do affect your everyday life. I I, I it's it's not all uh, entertainment maybe isn't the right word, but it's so much more interesting and important of things that, that are coming out of this White House. Um, you know, some of it's maddening. Uh, having a conversation with a buddy of mine, it's like, you know, it was good to have a couple of days off. I wasn't saying that he was to get away from it. He said, 
there wasn't much news around, you know, anything going on. He said, but it was, but it was like, okay, what's going to happen Monday? Oh and, yeah. I mean, you know, what's, yeah. what's going to happen as we get back to it and, and the whole thing. And I think the world is looking at that. I, I think everybody right now, this is, this is what the white house uh, clearly politically doesn't see is the fact that there is no getting away from it. There is no for for people, you know, when they want to say inflation is dropped, what do you say? 65%. Oh, God. And, you know, you you live in this fairy tale world. Well, for Americans, they would love to be, I think a lot of Americans would, would love to say, you know what? I'd love to be living in the matrix again where, the things, the issues you're talking about don't affect me every day, so I'm not fully aware of them, and I'm, I'm not being pounded by the weight of them every day, like things like inflation, national security, the border, and all these things that are broken right now in this nation. Well, I was, uh, when remember, we, we had went, I was back in, uh, in Buffalo where that uh, incident took place at the Rainbow Bridge, which mm-hmm. is one of the crossings into... Uh, to uh, to Canada, and you see that even, you know, that by the time you got to Sunday, the fact that Fox jumped on it and got that story wrong, which mm-hmm. we talked about yesterday, and we just said there's no reason to ever be caught up in that, and your standards but, for sources, yeah. after Brett Baer got burned back in, in 2016, that Hillary, you know, was going to be indicted, that was completely wrong, that to make that mistake again as a news organization to me is unforgivable. Now I understand that the leftist, the, uh, the leftist media, uh, lies consistently. Mm -hmm. They're not media. They are, they are political activists. As we have said, they're not journalists, uh, whatever. We disagree with the mindset that we've got people, people that claim to be Republican conservatives will call us and say, if they lie, we should lie. No, just the opposite. Right. They have to lie. <laughs> Conservatives don't have to lie about anything, so stop lying. Yeah. Or stop, you know, stop jumping the gun. You don't need to be first. Be correct. Explain it to people in 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 the right way. That's how you truly gain an audience. You don't get it by being first. <laughs> we want to be first but wrong. Yeah. Um but the one thing that I started thinking that even that story uh, that that died very quickly. I mean, you had it uh, you had it uh, uh, late uh, late uh, Wednesday, then Thursday, then Friday again. But by Saturday, it was gone. And the reason it was gone was Fox may have got the story wrong that it wasn't you know that that uh, it, because it was not terrorism, but the underlying message there which is our borders aren't secure Mm -hmm. even though that wasn't a terrorist attack that stuck in people's minds right you know that sits in people's minds okay that wasn't but the next thought is well that may not be but will there be a next time might not be that exact same thing because that wasn't a terrorist attack but might that happen again because our borders are open? Mm-hmm. And so the overall argument, you still couldn't win. You still couldn't win on that. And then inflation didn't go away because everybody was talking at my 
you know, my family's table. Inflation was brought up about how expensive things are. Oh, yeah. Everybody, it wasn't brought up in the political way. It was just, hey, this is up and this is up and this is up and right. this is up. And, right. And so you can't get away. And so I just think of going back there, you still couldn't get away from inflation and you still couldn't get away from thinking about the the complete, uh, I won't say giving up on the border, but the Biden administration's goal of and the Democrats' goal of ho- having open borders. Right. You still couldn't yeah. get away from that. Right. And that's the thing about, you know, right now, you can never get away from it. I hear people say, you know, that this I heard over the weekend. Well, I just don't watch or pay attention to the news anymore. Doesn't matter. You can't get away from inflation. Right. You're not you going to get away from it. Right. You can't turn it off and say, well, that's not going to affect me because it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem that they have. That's the Biden administration right now, especially with the gaslighting, big time gaslighting yesterday by the, uh, the the president. Everyone knows he's lying. As we said, it was a moment yesterday where he said that wages are up and inflation is down 68 percent or whatever he said, mm-hmm. or 65 percent, an outright lie. But gaslighting is when, just so people understand that term, it's when somebody says something, they know they're lying. The people that are standing there listening to him know that he's lying. The people watching on TV know that he's lying. He knows that everybody knows that he's lying. And then he continues to lie and then still expects, you know, respect. Or I'll put this to Kareem Jean-Pierre, where you don't call them a liar. Well, and that <laughs> they, you know, try and make you feel the the essence of that gaslighting is to try and make you feel idiotic for not seeing their false truth yeah no shaming you yeah because you don't agree with their lie well gee we we don't know what to tell you if you can't see the fact that prices are unbelievably low (laughs) you know i mean you must be stupid i mean i mean it's it look it's to the point where i just laughed about it because it's so bizarre, it's so absurd, yeah. it's such incredible gaslighting that you shake your head saying, you know, don't they ever sit there in their meetings and go, guys, we got to do something else. This isn't working because then the next, the answer would be, what else can we do? Crime is down, the border's secure, prices are unbelievably low, maybe too low. And the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. The Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. And and the NFL is rigged, but I'm going to continue watching. Listen, <laughs> gas is at 99 cents a gallon, exactly where we like it. <laughs> Diesel's at 89 cents a gallon. Everybody knows. Come on. What's Jack? wrong with you? Yeah, what's wrong with you, Jack? And, oh, oh, by the hmm. way, Christmas trees are up. Oh. Uh, yeah. Prices of Christmas trees, both real and artificial, hmm. uh, are up again. New market data. Revealed data from the National Christmas Tree Association. They got a real easy job. They only work once a year, uh, one month a year. And the American Christmas Tree Association obtained by Fox Business shows that the cost of Christmas trees has increased 10% from 2022. Yeah. All right. Artificial trees have been hit hardest by the price surge as basic trees start around 85 and go up to $1,000 or more. 
thousand bucks for a tree. That'd be a pretty big tree. My sister yeah. is a huge tree. It's like fifteen feet That's, tall. I was going to say my my sister has the same. It would take it's, me. It's massive. I, I would start putting that up in July. Yeah, and by the time I took it down, it'd be the end of June. Well, you're going to have to rent the crane. You got to do all those things to get. <laughs> Got to get a construction crew in. Well, she must use a big ladder to do it. Yeah, you're going to have to I get don't know how she does it. 40 or 50 permits. No, I mean. I've never been around when they put it up. It's yeah. Like, no, I haven't either. But I, I'm assuming it's a huge ladder. Has to be. Or they're climbing on top of the tree as they do it. Probably <laughs> yeah. not. I'm guessing ladder. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. By the way, we need to get to the full gaslighting statement because we've been focusing on the president yesterday saying that inflation is down 65% and wages are up. I mean, that's completely, I mean, that's a, comp- you cannot give a bigger lie than that. But everybody knew that he was lying, and that's that's why it's called gaslighting. Uh, but also admits that prices are still too high, but he blames businesses. You need to lower your prices. Yeah, so which is it? Prices are dropping because he wants he implies that that prices are going way down. Yes. When they say inflation has dropped by sixty five percent, that's a lie. And it's to imply that prices are going down. And then he says and businesses need to cut prices. And th- this is Really interesting. The president also attacked Republicans Monday saying, quote, they want to go back to the uh, bad old days when corporations looked around the world to find the cheapest labor they could find just to send jobs overseas and then import the products back to the United States. Like you begging with dictators to produce oil that we could produce here with no problem at all. Right. Over and over again. And and I, I haven't seen where is this shift where is this shift that Democrats have promoted that are bringing massive number of manufacturing jobs back to the United States? We know that the Democrats and the Biden administration wishes to kill manufacturing that uh, helps, or ex- excuse me, that helps promote the carbon footprint that we have. You can't have manufacturing and not have a carbon footprint. God, they're all over the place. And join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red. Eye. 
Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara along with Eric Harley. Today is Giving Tuesday. You're going to hear a lot about that. And there are a lot of great nonprofits out there. One I'd like you to consider is the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund, an organization that I'm proud to be a part of. And the fund, basically, uh, what St. Christopher's does is they help drivers who have to come off the road due to an illness or injury. And those long-haul drivers do need your help. And so it's easy to give. Here's what you do. Go to truckersfund.org, truckersfund.org, and you can give as little as $5. Give what you can if you can. Truckersfund.org on this Giving Tuesday. And America's drivers will thank you. They are the backbone of the economy, and we need them back on the road as soon as possible. And the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund has been a big part of that, uh, helping thousands of drivers to the tune of millions of dollars over the years. A great organization. Again, truckersfund.org, truckersfund.org, and thank you. Uh, really interesting uh, the other day, uh, Jonathan Turley in the Hill.com uh, writing an article because you you saw what Disney's filing to the SEC was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was interesting because uh, Turley was talking about the 300th anniversary this year is the 300th anniversary of the philosopher and economist Adam Smith, uh, who basically explained capitalism and economics that... Um, you know, people do what they believe is in their best self-interest. And it's the consumer out there that, you know, will, you know, you can produce a product. If the consumer doesn't want it, doesn't matter what the product is. Right. EVs, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, born in June of 1723. So um, that's why the anniversary is there. But he makes the comparison. He writes, this year's marks the th- uh, th- 300th anniversary of Adam Smith the iconic figure behind the theory of free markets or what we have since come to call capitalism born in 1723. Smith went on to explain how the invisible hand of the market worked as people exercised their choices between certain products. It can shape economies and challenge whole governments. One company in particular seems to be learning that lesson and talking about Disney here in recent filings Disney appears to acknowledge that Smith's invisible hand is giving the House of Mouse the middle finger mm-hmm. in a new corporate disclosure. <laughs> I, I just can't see Turley saying that. <laughs> I can see him writing it. But in a new corporate disclosure, Disney acknowledged that its controversial political and social agenda is costing the company and shareholders. In its annual SEC report, Disney acknowledged that we face risks relating to misalignment with public and consumer tastes and preferences for entertainment, travel, and consumer uh, products. In an implied nod to Smith, the company observes that, quote, the success of our business depends on our ability to constantly create compelling content and that, Generally, our revenues and profitability are adversely impacted when our entertainment offerings and products, as well as our methods to make our offerings and products available to consumers, do not achieve sufficient consumer acceptance. Uh. 
further consumers' perceptions of our position on matters of public interest, including our efforts to achieve certain uh, to achieve certain of our environmental and social goals, offer often differ widely and present risks to our reputation and brands. Disney and other companies have previously ignored consumer backlash over corporate campaigns such as Disney's opposition to the very popular Florida's parental rights in education law. Corporate officials once avoided political controversies and focused on selling their products and services rather than viewpoints. Disney has reportedly lost a billion dollars just on four of its recent woke movie flops, productions denounced by critics as pushing political agendas or storylines. Yet until now, the company has continued to roll out underperforming movies as revenue has dropped. What's more, Disney stars persist in bad-mouthing its fabled storylines and undermining its new productions. The company admits that it has suffered a continued slide in impressions that is viewership by 14%. For shareholders, it may seem counterintuitive that corporate executives would trade off profits for political or social agendas. However, it does serve as rationale for individual corporate executives who are professionally advanced when they champion such causes. For example, when the vice president of marketing for Bud Light pledged to drop Bud Light's fratty reputation. She was heralded by colleagues, even though her move went on to tank that brand as a whole. Indeed, Bud Light has still not recovered from the loss of billions in profits, market share, and overall market value. The same trend is playing out in the media. Public trust in journalists has fallen to a record low, yet media executives continue to push Advocacy journalism abandoning objectivity. As a for, as a former New York Times writer Nicole Hannah-Jones declared, all journalism is activism. Well, all liberal journalism is activism. I think that would be the better right. way to say it. Yeah, right, exactly. With falling subscriptions and public backlash, the journalists continue to saw at the thin branch upon which they are sitting. Hmm. Again, advocacy journalism is no more popular than woke corporate agendas. It remains wealth maximizing for individual journalists who can receive accolades from contemporaries for taking steps detrimental to their profession as a whole. For each individual, the falling revenues of their media outlets are outweighed by the individual advancement that comes with embracing advocacy over objectivity. The same is true in academia. You know, you look at colleges now. Mm. Everything that the left has touched with a message that is viewed as radical by the majority of the public didn't have a backlash until recently. Right. You and I questioned it for the longest time. We said eventually a backlash has to happen. Well, we see it now. It said same is true with academia where universities and colleges are roundly criticized for their intolerance of opposing views and for purging faculties of conservative or libertarian professors. Roughly half of this country holds conservative or libertarian views, yet faculty members have little incentive 
to put themselves at risk by demanding more intellectual diversity or viewpoint tolerance. Understand the man that is writing this is a lifelong Democrat. Each of these tales of decline represents a variation on another economic model called the tragedy of the commons, whereby everyone makes personal decisions to their own immediate advantage that ultimately kill off the very resource that sustains everyone. All of these corporate, journalistic, and academic figures are acting for their immediate personal advantage at the expense of their companies and institutions. In fairness to Disney, there is an expressive element to its products, movies and artistic creations that emphasize certain motivations and values. At one time, those values included some that are now viewed as offensive, including racist tropes. Ooh. Mm. The question is the balance and degree of the political and social agenda. Disney's products are now viewed by many conservatives as empty virtue signaling and endless attempts to indoctrinate children. Moreover, when the company publicly declares its opposition to a popular parental rights bill in Florida, it is moving away from a commercial to a political focus. That is the problem with the invisible hand. You can bring movies to the public, but you cannot make them sell. Once an unassailable and uniting brand, Disney brand is now negatively associated with activism by a significant number of consumers. And that's a problem when you come from an age when, if you said Disney, you knew what, you, you know, it was, the image was very clear. It was all about families and kids and that kind of thing. It was, we knew what it was. When it started to change, and it didn't happen over just the last few years, although it was ramped up. But when it started to change, people took note. One of the things to, to remember here is what Disney did to get to this level in terms of what their offerings are. The whole Disney Plus thing. Look what they did. They acquired Marvel. They went and bought uh, Jim Henson, the Muppets. They bought all of that. They made these massive acquisitions in order to put all of that content under one roof. And you and the problem with that is that if the branding goes negative, all of it goes negative. Because you're trying to get people on a massive scale to sign up and pay every month. And it used to be a fact with all of us parents, we know this, Kids direct the spending, especially when it comes to entertainment. And you'll spend the money on it if the kids want to watch it. But when they cross that line as a parent, you also know, nope, that's not the the message that I want coming into my home when I purchase this entertainment myself. So this could go down as a massive, massive business blunder if it's not corrected, and I don't know how you change it. Says the uh, licensing revenue from products associated with Star Wars, Frozen, Toy Story, Mickey and Friends, iconic and once unassailable corporate uh, images are down. Yeah. Uh, the question is how long Disney or its shareholders can tolerate falling revenues 
tied to its, quote, misalignment with the public. That's Disney's own analysis yeah, to the right. SEC. Right. It is a massive corporation. It can lose billions before facing any truly dire decisions. Yet even Disney's CEO, Bob Iger, now appears to be seeking to, quote, quiet things down after years of culture wars. Iger has come to accept that a company does indeed have to sell products to survive. As Adam Smith wrote a long time ago, it is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer, or the baker that we expect our dinner, but from their regard to their own self-interest, which is what? Profits. Yep. And that's it. You've got to serve what the public wants. And once you're out of tune with that, and, and again, all of these properties that they acquired to put under the Disney brand are now feeling the pain of that misalignment. They're all being tarnished. Used to be that Disney, other companies, you would own, okay, you've got your movie studio over here. You've got this over here. We were owned by Disney at one time. ABC, you've got all this. You've got yeah. ESPN. You've got all these things. And they had their own separate branding. While that does exist, still, the problem is when you create something like a Disney Plus, when you bring all those properties under that parent brand, it it more directly affects them negatively when the parent brand suffers. That's your problem. So when you build something to scale, it can fall to scale, and that could happen. I don't. I don't know how you turn this around. Iger just, I guess, wants to go quiet. There was word I just saw this the other day. Uh, Tim Allen saying uh, he mentioned somewhere where he's been contacted about another Toy Story, a Toy Story movie. Are they trying to get back to the old stuff? You want to kind of recreate that magic? And get away from the social issues. There's one may, there's one way to do it, I guess, but I don't know yeah. if they're going to be able to recapture that and erase all that they've done. I don't know. Maybe bring Kurt Russell in for another movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, when I said, I was uh, uh, joking when I said, you know, they should uh, Disney should bring back Kurt Russell. And I'm thinking about those early movies he made when he was a teenager. And I'd forgotten that mm-hmm. uh, in that miracle when he was uh, the coach of the, you know, 1980, 1980 Olympic hockey team, that was a Disney movie. Yeah. Right. And so was The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. I know that because... I was doing my local show here and brought a couple of listeners to the movie, uh, to the actually the movie set that was the stadium that night that they filmed that that part of him, you know, throwing his first pitches. Right. Jim, right. The, the uh, Jim Morris, who became a pitcher at age 36. Right. Well, hmm. Disney did some good movies. This.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. This story came out when we were out for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Taking selfies is now considered a public health problem requiring safety messaging, says researchers. The most common cause of selfie-related death is people falling from heights. Okay, yeah. A review by the University of New South Wales concluded that taking selfies uh, poses a public health problem. Mm. Referencing data from multiple peer-reviewed studies in both the United States and Australia since 2011, the review was published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research in September of this year. Selfie-related deaths at aquatic locations stood out as the most concerning incidents, including photo-taking at scenic and photogenic areas. The general use of smartphones and apps is dangerous, the research pointed out. But four of the five peer-reviewed studies identified falls from heights due to selfie-taking as the most common cause of injury and death. Drowning was identified as the second most common cause of selfie death. Lead study author Sam Cornell, a research officer at the Sydney School of Public Health, said he was specifically interested in environmental and aquatic-related selfie injuries and deaths. I wasn't looking at people getting injured from taking selfies on man-made structures or train lines, for instance, he said. The mean age of reported victims was 22 years old, and they were mostly female. Hmm. I was surprised that when I drilled down in this way, young females were implicated the most. The selfie danger risks differ by country. In the United States and Australia, people are getting injured or dying while alone, normally as a result of falling off a cliff. In India, lots of people die in bodies of water, often in groups. See, that's why they shouldn't have made my new cell phone water-resistant. In the U.S. and Australia, people are getting injured or dying while alone, normally as a result of falling off the cliff. Among a recent selfie-related accidents was a Brazilian woman who fell to her death off a cliff while celebrating her birthday in Australia in 2021. And they go through some of the different people that actually, the specific cases of people that fell off cliffs. The study concluded that the public health problem should require a public health risk communication response. 
Don't stand near. By the way, this is good advice whether you're going to take a selfie or not. Don't stand six inches from the drop-off of a cliff. Whether you're taking a selfie or not, usually a bad idea. To date, little attention has been paid to averting selfie-related incidents through behavior change and uh, methodologies or direct messaging to users, including through social media apps. (laughs) Risk reduction methods include, are you ready for this? No selfie zones. As a matter of... Of regulation, I guess. I think, yes, I think that's what their the in, intent is. Risk reduction methods have included no selfie zones, physical barriers, signage, and information about dangerous zones provided on social media. The research revealed, however, that these risk mitigation efforts haven't been enough to prevent accidents. They've come to the conclusion, this is my analysis, they come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter how many warnings you give people, some people are just downright stupid. Or yet don't understand the concept of gravity. Yeah, so you look at one study found, this is worldwide. 379 people worldwide were killed due to selfies between 2008 and 2021. How many? 379 worldwide. That's roughly 29 people a year worldwide. Well, then it's not a public health concern. That was my first question. How many are we talking about? Is it a public health concern when it's 29 people globally per year? That you must have government-regulated selfie, no selfie zones. To the extent of changing law, Mm. creating law. Well, what am I going to say? Well. It saves just one person. If it saves just one life. But I don't think it will. Than they have here. You know the rules at Yellowstone National Park? Don't feed the bears. Don't get close to the bison. Yeah. How many videos have we seen? The rules mean nothing to these people. (laughs) But it's just a cute bison. I can get out and take a selfie with this bison. I love the bears. Yeah. I saw one where a guy was trying to tame an alligator and he comes up on it like he's you know gonna intimidate the alligator and it just tore into his leg you know it's a tragic incident because we've talked about grizzly man yeah that the timothy uh, treadwell timothy treadwell there and everything else yeah and it's horrendous you know how he and his girlfriend died i mean yeah but there is i'm i'm sorry but if that movie is on i'll turn it on and there's a there is a I'm, there's some kind of perverse humor in the stupidity of his actions. It, it's a it's a curiosity that is never satisfied. Yes, 
because it's like as to how that could happen. And you look at all the people they talk to in that documentary, and these are locals and experts. This is dangerous. He shouldn't be doing this. Remember the one guy, I think uh, it wasn't the pilot. It was somebody else who said he got what he deserved. Yeah. And and he didn't say it. He wasn't in a mean way. He was taking too great of a risk for right. too long. It was inevitable it was going to happen. Right. And then you had, remember, the uh, the uh, uh, native Eskimo mm-hmm. in the museum that was yeah. talking about it and said, no, he absolutely disrespected nature. Mm-hmm. You stay away. You know, human beings were not meant to co-mingle with grizzly bears. The fact that you have to say that in itself is a perverse sense of, there's a perverse sense of humor in that. Right. A black sense of whatever you want to say. But I, I hear that it's like, well, it's like saying don't walk out in front of a car mm-hmm. that's moving. Or take a selfie in a dangerous place. Or take a selfie in a dangerous place, yeah. The rules and regulations aren't going to change the stats. They're not. But I love this one, too. Fox News medical contributor Dr. Mark Siegel uh, was not involved in the study review, but he agreed that these selfie-related accidents constitute a public health crisis. The issue doesn't lie uh, just lie in physical injury, he said via email. It also introduces unhealthy psychological aspects of taking a pause from actually living life to take taking a freeze frame of it. You know, here's here's the thing that, that is missed when you have these people that are doing this study and believe something needs to be done. We already have a law that governs all of this. It's the law of gravity. <laughs> I know. It's the law of our own instinct when it comes to being in dangerous places. And your instinct should guide you accordingly. And for some people, it doesn't. Some people want to take a greater risk. So creating any other type of law or regulation will change nothing. Look, if you're obsessed in taking selfies, as some people do, that's one thing. But uh, when he was talking about the... the, uh, unhealthy psychological aspects if you take an occasional selfie somewhere i think that's a little overboard look there are people that are addicted to doing a lot of different things Mm -hmm. but the majority aren't right there may be certain aspects right like people that take a selfie every 10 minutes Mm -hmm. but that's we've kind of weeded that out too right i mean it's not the thing it used to be no it's not no there are some people that are going to always do it. The overwhelming majority of them. In fact, all but roughly 29 of them per year won't do it in such a dangerous fashion. I would say don't drink in selfie because you don't look good in it. Right. <laughs> Take a selfie before you get over the... Right, you know, over the limit. Over the limit. Before you start drinking. <laughs> Do not take a selfie if you're over point oh four. Right. Not a good look. No, it's not. Your, your eyes are half shut. 
Yeah, that's not the camera. That's me. <laughs> don't take a selfie while driving. Don't do that. Yeah, there's you're you're not going to change the behavior of some people. Not going to do anything. And w- again, when we're talking about twenty nine people per year, sorry, worldwide. Yeah, out of eight billion people, right? Because it includes India and China. I'm assuming. Yep. We're not. Yeah, because they actually did. They actually did yeah. India. We're not talking about a public health crisis. Right. By any definition. Not the case. Because if that is going to be a public health problem, if 29 deaths worldwide is the definition, well, I'm going to say none of Well, all of us have to leave our house because more accidents happen there. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody has to be locked in. Nobody their homes. can go home. No, that. It's homes. That's the problem. Right. It's all these homes. Most accidents happen in the homes. We need to get rid of homes. That's the problem. Here's one. Hmm. How many people die falling downstairs in their homes? It's got to be more than 29 worldwide. Per year. We need need to ban Hmm. multi-story homes. Oh, there you go. Or require that they have one of those... Chair lifts. <laughs> Those things drive me up the wall. <laughs> like George Costanza had. Yeah. In Seinfeld. Just, just really slow chair lift. I would actually he was require. Faking, he was faking being injured. I would require, as a joke, I would require all of my guests to use that. Every time they're at my house. I would re- Sorry, it's for, um. Insurance liability purposes. I have to have you sit here in the chair. <laughs> Put a harness on them. Okay. Helmet. Yeah. Send the chair back down when you get up there. I'll, I'll come up there and join you. And it's just very slowly Slow. moving up. I would so do that. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. I would absolutely do that. I might go buy a two-story house. Just for that entertainment <laughs> factor alone. Just for that. Oh, man. Now, I'm glad you looked it up. Because when they say public health problem, the people are dying, it's very important to say, okay, what is the judgment of researchers when yeah. researchers are saying regulation from, because that's what they were saying, regulation from government is necessary. Right. Signs, fences, barriers, things like that. Right. Government has to put those up. Right. So yeah. I'm so glad you looked it up because I would I if you would have asked me worldwide, I, I probably would have said it was over a thousand. Yeah, I would have it said might probably have been ten thousand thousands. Yeah, somewhere I, I would have said because yeah. because you think of people, you know, in uh, in large cities, mm-hmm. you know, looking at their phone and crossing across the street and getting hit right. by a car. Right. So when you said twenty nine a year, I was like, why did I even do that story? Well, was the first, my first question was, you know, what kind of, what warrants a study? Well, you don't have to have a reason for a study. But then when the study is calling for government intervention, that is like, okay, well, how big of a problem are we talking about? Well, I'll tell you why the study was done. Hmm. Government grants. Exactly. <laughs> See, what we need is, that's what I would have, the conclusion of all of my studies, if I did studies. The conclusion is we need more studies and also more grants for more studies. 
get paid all day to sit around and do studies that, oh, we need to do something about this. Yeah. Those are the same guys that put a quarter of a cup is a serving of ice cream on the container. <laughs> they actually put it on the container. Isn't that the, isn't that when you started finally paying attention to that as you got older and you're yeah. like, my metabolism is slowing down. Yeah. Let me just see here. Oh, look, it's only 10 calories, uh, you know, per serving mm. for this ice cream. Uh-huh. And you didn't look at the part that said there are 50 servings in this pint. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. I don't need labels. Sorry. <laughs> 86690 Red Eye. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Did you see in Maryland that attempted carjacking went wrong? Mm. <laughs> the suspects couldn't drive a stick shift. You know that's happened multiple times. That's made the news. So you know it's happening more than you know than than what we hear. And and um, who was it? Uh, it was a comedian, Henry Cho, who said. He's funny. He's really funny. And he lives in Tennessee. I think he lives somewhere near Nashville somewhere. Uh, but he's he was talking one day on Nate Bargatze's podcast and said, man, I buy stick shifts to teach my kids, you know, how to drive a stick mm-hmm. shift. But he says, you can leave those things unlocked because the thieves aren't going to know how to drive them. <laughs> you don't even have to lock them up.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I found something worthy of our audio cut of the day. Okay. But not from a positive thing. No. Oh, all right. Perspective. Fine. From a negative perspective. Okay. Fine. All right. We played it to start off the show. This is the... Now, remember, this is the top guy in education in the United States, mm. even if you believe that states should run the education system and the education department on the federal level should not exist. He is still viewed as the top honcho in education in the gr- the greatest country ever in the existence of the planet Earth. Which means, I'm, I'm trying to fake that this guy is extremely intelligent. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the point. That's the overall point. Here is Education Secretary Cardona. You know, we're going to set up follow-up calls with every governor we met with to make sure we're available. Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Um, there's, there are resources there. There's technical assistance there. And there's... Um, I'm sorry. Reagan said what? Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. <laughs> is that is that the... Is no. that the proper context no. of what Reagan said, no. or is it 180 degrees the opposite of the context of what President Reagan said? Because what President Reagan said is the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Now, the question is, and I checked his Twitter feed a little while ago, excuse mm-hmm. me, X feed. Mm-hmm. I cannot be insulting the intelligence of the uh, education secretary if I do not properly name the social media site Uh formerly known as Twitter as X. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Completely 180 degrees the opposite. Now, some have speculated on social media yesterday uh, that maybe they're just... Reinventing history. Yeah. Another Let's... another take at revisionist history. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what we'll see. Maybe that's what he's pushing to do. Take all these all these quotes. Because he never. And change them. He never on social media. I cannot find anywhere where he said, oh, sorry, I misspoke. Which I would got be, that wrong. Which yeah. would be hard to do because he set it up. Yeah, because he was at a, a governor's convention telling the governors, we're here to help you, uh-huh. just like Reagan said we <laughs> should be, was yeah. the message. Right. No, Reagan said the opposite. Yeah. Just amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. And it's the clueless all over again. And, you know, here's the thing, too, is that the Reagan quotes and the clips of Reagan have become viral all over again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that, you know, I mean, in his case, what was he, five years old? When he, when Reagan was, uh, was he, was he born in the election? 75, I think he was yeah. born. Yeah. Yeah. So he's young. So he was a kid. Right. All right. All right. Fine. I mean, you know, you're the secretary of education. We have to kind of point that out over and over again. 
there are certain things you should know. But even if you didn't and you didn't live, you don't remember it because, you know, you were a kid. It's become viral all over again. That quote has been out there in circulation. Well, since he said it the first time, was it 43, 44 years? Yeah. And you got the entire thing wrong to imply. And by the way, it, it, it requires you to believe and then try and convey here to your audience that Reagan believed, Ronald Reagan believed in big government. No, he said it in 86. All right. There you go. Yeah, I said in 86. At a press conference in 86. Yeah. I thought it was sooner. I don't know why. For some reason, I go back and I thought it was part of his original campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, if you look at it, was one of the most famous things that he ever said. Oh, yeah. No, that that was yeah. the, and, and it has been the starting point inspiration for many conversations for years. Mm-hmm. And how could you not know that Ronald Reagan was against big government? I know. (laughs) How do you get that wrong? And let's remember again. I know I've repeated this, but it's very important. He is supposedly Mm -hmm. the country's top Mm -hmm. education person. And he is in a presidential administration. And you're talking about a modern uh, in, in in modern times, a modern president, Ronald Reagan, in the 80s, and what he is number one known for, uh, what he's known for number one, mm. and the education secretary gets it 180 degrees wrong. Mm. Not a little bit wrong. Completely, completely wrong. and totally wrong. Yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah. There was a little rumble under his... When he paused when after I, saying it, I yeah. could hear a little yeah, rumble of the time. governors. I turned, I turned yeah. my headphones up, so and I heard I, it too. It's like, wait, wait, what did he just say? Like, where's the reaction yeah. going? Oh yeah. man, you got that wrong, dude. Here's a, here's a guess. Here's a prediction. If they try and walk this back today, he was joking. It was a poor attempt at humor. Oh, okay. And, of course, that would be the worst attempt at humor. (laughs) And, by the way, Mm. it was not an attempt at humor. No. He didn't know. As President Barack Obama once said, drill, baby, drill. (laughs) As Bernie Sanders has said for many years, Socialism is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As Donald Trump once said, Biden is a much better president than I could ever be. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I support Biden for president in 24. As Trump said, I love Ron DeSantis. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, you know, again, <laughs> over and over again these these great gems that come out of this administration. Oh. 
It was funny listening to that little rumble after he said it. Yeah, you could. Oh, yeah, you could. That's what it was like. That wasn't that, was it? I don't think it was. I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what was that? Uh, what was the story? Because I just found something else we can relate it together. What was that story you found on the um, the quarter pounder with cheese? Oh, is that interesting? This is dealing with. The whole inflation thing, and, and yeah, and you said you read a, well, a th- this piece. is uh, from uh, well, yeah from CNN business uh, that came across and uh, analysis by Allison Morrow at CNN. A vi- here's the headline: A viral sixteen dollar McDonald's meal won't go away, and that's a problem for Democrats. Talking about something you you and I have talked about, but there's this there's this uh, TikTok video that's a like a year old, December of last year, yeah. And a guy's posting, oh my gosh, and it's sixteen bucks for a burger, large fries, and soda. Now she points out that it was a specialty burger, it was a double burger, double quarter pounder, something, and but that video has you know struck a nerve with a lot of people. And it's still in circulation, by the way. I would love to see what the cost is a year later, if it's still the same or higher. Um, but something you and I have talked about. And interesting that CNN is pointing this out, that it's a problem for Democrats, which it is. That, and anecdotally, I've, you know, hit a couple of drive throughs here recently. And it's like, whoa. You know, if with these kind of prices, this isn't the uh, quick, cheap meal anymore. Uh, you know what is a cheap meal now? The only cheap meal? Fasting. That's, that's the only cheap meal you're going to get um, because all of the costs, and this is, you know, what's so rich about Biden calling for retailers, um, to lower their prices, which would include fast food, of course. Well, the problem with that, how are they going to cover their costs? Well, you know, the interesting thing, you bring that up, and Byron York wrote a, a column about Biden's great double quarter pounder misinformation campaign, mm-hmm. that this is still haunting them, as you just said there in that article. CNN yeah. brought it up, yeah. and Byron York's writing the fact that that uh, they're putting together for the campaign, and this is the beautiful thing of it. We already played... Uh, Biden yesterday in the gaslighting where he said, you know, the the um, uh, uh, inflation's gone down 65 percent mm-hmm. and wages have gone up, which mm-hmm. is an absolute lie. Right. I mean, that to the point where it's not lying, it's gaslighting because yeah. everybody knows that it's a lie. And when mm-hmm. every when you know when you say it and you know it's a lie and you know that everybody watching you either they're live or on TV knows it's a lie. And we just pretend that it's not a lie or you just ignore that it's a lie. That's what gaslighting is. When it's so incredibly obvious that you're telling people to believe something that they absolutely know from personal experience is not true. And implying there's something wrong with those who don't see your false truth. Right. I mean, that's basically what gaslighting is. But he said uh, the the uh, the uh, campaign that they put together, it says one of the first vehicles for this campaign. Right now, the disinformation campaign from an unbelievable disinformation administration. 
And that's the beauty of it, that the Democrats have focused so much on the whole thing of disinformation. When you look at what entity is giving out more disinformation and telling you that the country needs a disinformation council, that's gall Mm -hmm. when they do that. But it says one of the first vehicles for this campaign is, of all things, the McDonald's Smoky BLT Double uh, Quarter Pounder with Cheese. This happened in December of last year. A man ordered the sandwich, which was available only for a limited time, along with large fries and a large Sprite um, at a McDonald's in Post Falls, Idaho. The cost was $15.19, and along with a 91-cent tax, made the final bill $16.10. The man was unhappy and made a TikTok video to complain, uh, so I get that there's a labor shortage, uh, he said in the brief video. I get that there's a wage increase and a number of other things, but $16 for a burger, fries, and a drink? Well, that's just crazy. The video went viral, and it became a source of stories in some conservative media outlets. These stories reached the White House Office of Digital Strategy, which tracked the meme as one of the many exaggerated examples of the nation's economic woes. No, it's not. No. that's re- You know how you know that's not? Because that's at fast food, and that's where the middle class eats. Right. The elites aren't eating at McDonald's. Except for Clinton. Right. And Trump. And Trump, yes. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for adding Trump. I forgot about that. He might be the only billion. No, he's not. Because Warren Buffett eats at McDonald's because he owns part of it. Yeah, but they own stock in it. Yeah, but they can afford eating at McDonald's. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, they go through the whole thing about how the disinformation campaign, the first thing they're focusing on is the disinformation that republicans have put out on the sandwich which is not disinformation no it's not no not at all it's what people are experiencing it shows the desperation right now they know inflation is a problem like cnn says it's a problem for mm-hmm. democrats Eight six six ninety red eye we'll be right back with more red eye radio with eric harley and gary mcnamara It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Where's her bigger buzz for the next Republican debate or the debate between Newsom and DeSantis? Uh, Newsom and DeSantis all day. I just, the primary debates, until Trump is on a stage, the debates themselves don't really do much. You know, um, you can look at the polling. uh, You can see that. You know, this this candidate or that candidate is doing better or worse. You can look at the donations. But at the end of it all, Trump is going to be the nominee. And there really isn't a lot of buzz about DeSantis and Newsom either that I thought there would be. I, it's not as big as if, you know, I it, where it started. And I guess a lot of people, maybe even DeSantis, had hoped that DeSantis would be in a better standing in the in the primary polls but yeah it's not what it was when it started
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market. Rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.